Did you have a favorite television star? Not that I can remember. We are talking, dare I say, half a century ago. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm dating myself. It was half a century ago, so it's lost in the Right, back when TVs had dials, right? Uh, Back when TVs had three channels and they were in black and Mm -hmm. white. Yes, yes. Yes, we had one with a dial and there were maybe 50 something numbers on it, but not all of those numbers hit channels, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> Just static, static, static. <laughs> and you, you had to turn the television on and it had to warm up. Mm. And it took about... I don't remember that, but wow. <laughs> it took about two or three minutes to warm up and then you'd get a lot of haze and a lot of white noise coming through and you'd have to turn that little dial to fine-tune it, to tune into the channel and just hope that it didn't slip. <laughs> oh, how times have And that's have where changed. the foil came in, right? <laughs> yes. So, Robin, I want to thank you for joining me today. I hope you all will stick around for this episode. We're going to have a fun conversation about emotional intelligence, why you should care about it, and what you can do to improve your emotional intelligence skills at work and with the people around you. It's time for a sneak peek. Sneak peek, sneak peek. I think it's important to look at everybody as an individual and everybody's got their own viewpoint, their own self-worth, and they are human in within their own right. And we've just got to accept right. that. And who that other person is, they've got some value. You've just got to work very hard through your own beliefs, values, perceptions, prejudices, etc, etc, etc. So that then brings in emotional intelligence because emotional intelligence is how you react to other people through your feelings and the way in which you think about your feelings and the feelings of other people. So fundamental to emotional intelligence is empathy and it's utilizing social skills to build up authentic relationships and make good quality decisions. So within all of that, when you are engaging with somebody, anybody, and I don't care here, the other person, and to recognize what it is that they can contribute to you, if only you would allow them to. And now on with the show. When you're feeling the pressure, take a moment to step back Pick up your marbles and choose to lead with levity. Join us on the Lead with Levity podcast for fireside chats that will fill your bucket and help you get back to being the leader you were meant to be. Now here's your host, Dr. Heather Walker. So welcome to Lead with Levity. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Walker, and I have the pleasure of speaking to Robin Hills today. Robin is the CEO of EI for Change, and his expertise is emotional intelligence. Robin, I am so happy to have you here today. Emotional intelligence is such an important topic, and it's it's definitely one that I think is important for us to talk about in this season in 2021. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you, and thank you for having me on here as a guest. Thank you. Thank you. I understand that you have shared your message now with something like over 185 countries. Is that 
How how does that feel? That sounds so surreal. It's it's completely surreal because I've, I'm not too sure I could list half of them. So there are many, many countries where my emotional intelligence training is being taken up and I'm not even aware of it, which is... That's pretty cool. It actually feels really nice that I'm actually making a difference to people's lives. And I've, I've achieved a degree of being famous through that process. Mm-hmm. So going back to what you said earlier... I think it connects, you know, you wanted to be a television star and now your message is being heard by people all across the globe. When you, you said earlier that there were some misconceptions that you had about it and what you've, the, some of the lessons that you've learned, what, what are those lessons now that, now that you kind of are a little famous, I mean, people know you around the globe. Yes, that's that's quite nice in some ways, and it's quite scary in other ways. So what are some of the lessons? Well, some of the lessons that I've learned is it's not about me. It's about other people. And mm. what I can do is I can act as a catalyst to help them to lead more swirled and authentic existences through helping them to connect with people better. And if I can do that in one or two small ways here and there, then I'm making a difference. And then I'm having the outcomes and the achievements that I so desire. I completely agree with you. It can be so hard sometimes. I, I think it takes time, but it also takes a lot of work, self-work to get to that point where you're like, it's not about me. It's about other people. And that applies to a lot of stuff, right? That could apply to an offense, someone saying something to you that's a little bit offensive. And it's like, well, that's not actually about me. That's more a reflection of where that person is coming from and their perspective on things and all of that. I mean, how do you move from that point of it's about me. No, it, it is all about me. It's my world. <laughs> and you just said something that just rocked my world to, no, it's not about me. It's, it's about others. And how can I serve others better? How can I help others who may be hurting or not perceiving things in a healthy way? All of that. How do you move from that? Well, I think the answer lies within the person to have that realization themselves. So if somebody becomes offended by something that I do or something that I say, my intention is not to offend anybody. I don't get mm -hmm. in the morning and think, oh, right, who am I going to offend today? Oh, yes, I think I'll, I'll offend Heather Walker because she hasn't <laughs> right. been a repository for my offense for a while. No, I, my intention. Um, mm. is to be truly authentic and to engage with people. And I will say things at times that are not emotionally intelligent because I've not thought them through properly or because I'm tired or I'm hungry or I, I may just not be connecting with people in the right way. And often I will, will go away from those situations. And uh, if somebody says to me, oh, you've offended somebody, then... I think I've got to be man enough to actually go along and apologize and say that that wasn't my intention. 
Um, mm. Now, I may be met with an emotional reaction, and I think I've just got to accept that people may be so hurt through an action or a statement or anything that I have to react to the emotions that I'm faced with. But I, I think more importantly, people ought to actually start to look at being offended and think, well, this is down to my emotional regulation. What is it that is, is happening within me that is causing me to feel so negative about what it is that I'm hearing? And you just have to take a degree of realization that the world is not built around a, a particular individual. The, the world is not built around me. So the world is not a place for me to not be offended or not be annoyed or not be disgusted. So I've got to look at my own internal beliefs and my own internal values and look at where that offense is occurring and saying, right, do I need to do something about this or not? Or is this mm. something really superficial that is just banal or is it something that is really important i am disgusted and annoyed and offended that we have these issues with race in the united kingdom and in the states we have it with regards to the attitude towards women we have abuse of children these things really annoy me and offend me um, mm -hmm. and that is something that i can do something about we had a situation last week in the United Kingdom where a teacher stupidly showed a, a picture of Muhammad in his religious education class. And a lot of Muslims, rightly so, were offended, but I, I don't think they reacted in an appropriate manner around it. And I, I'm not really sure what I think about the whole situation, Heather, because people were very, very offended, but I, I don't like the way that they were behaving around that. And I think there's a, a degree of emotional intelligence not happening within that scenario. Can you tell me a little bit more about that scenario because I'm not familiar with the situation. So they was it an offensive image or was it that they showed the image at all? It was that they showed the image at all. Now, I'm, I'm just going to say up front here that before I say any more, this is my interpretation of my understanding of events that were represented to me through the media. So it's down to what I've read and what I've heard. But the teacher was holding a class on blasphemy and he took the opportunity to show a cartoon of Muhammad, which is offensive within the Muslim religion, within Islam, because it is written mm. in the Quran that there should be no representation of Muhammad that has been produced through the human hand. So by showing that image, offence was taken. Now, the, the particular teacher should have known that what he was doing was beyond the levels of acceptance within Islam. And he should have said something or asked permission or a whole host of other things, but it didn't happen. What did happen was this, this image was shown and the parents got to hear about it and uh, reacted accordingly. Mm. 
What's interesting is here in the States, we had something, I mean, we have our own things going on. So Dr. Seuss, for example, some of the Dr. Seuss books have been banned. And Dr. Seuss has been around for a very long time, very, very long time. And around in times when certain language depictions, images, all of that were considered okay. Not okay now, but but okay back then. So yeah, so it's very interesting to me that emotional intelligence seems to be, there's a sort of, it follows the culture and what's accepted within the culture at that time. What do you think about that? I think that's right. And I mean, there are other examples. Some of the Disney films had racial stereotypes types within them that are less acceptable today than what they were when they were originally produced. However, I think we've got to look at it from a slightly different perspective because I was brought up with those racial stereotypes, but I know that they're stereotypes. And there's a certain fondness that I have for Mexicans, Chinese, African people through those stereotypes. And and there's a degree of love that I share around those stereotypes. Now, I know most Chinese don't look like the comic book depictions and I know most Africans don't look like the comic book predictions and I know most Mexicans don't lie up against a cactus with a great um, big hat over their their head I forgot the name of the hat sorry but it's it's a sombrero isn't it yes and and now most Mexicans are are not like that we know that but of course uh, when you go to these countries they actually play up these racial stereotypes themselves. And like I say, I would like to look at them and look at Dr. Seuss and look at Disney and look at those sort of things with a degree of love and fondness and say, I know you're not like that. And I know that you are human and different like I am. So let's build up a relationship between us rather than just because I happen to have been brought up with those uh, stereotypes means that I have a negative prejudice towards those people. Hmm. That is a really interesting perspective and way of looking at it. I think it, it can be harmful when those stereotypes are used in a way that sort of puts those individuals in a box. Like, yes. this is your box. You're supposed to act like this and talk like this and look like this. And if you don't, I don't want to deal with you. I don't know how to deal with you. So I've seen it. I've seen it both ways. So it's interesting. That's a really, really interesting perspective that you have. And I I think a healthier one than probably what many of us have experienced, at least in the States. And I think because there are negative perceptions about the stereotypes, then let's take it out of the uh, equation or at least... Uh, minimize it or flag it because we do not want people to go down that avenue of expectation that you just described. It might be that perhaps I'm a little bit more accepting of people for who and what they are rather than having my own preconceived ideas and prejudices which drive me forward and drive my interactions. So maybe, Robin, I think what would be helpful is let's back it up because we could do a deep dive into 
this conversation. And we may spend the rest of the time talking about this. But but I want to back up just a little bit and make sure that everyone understands what we mean by emotional intelligence. Sure. And yeah, yeah. Sure. I think it's important to look at everybody as an individual and everybody's got their own viewpoint, their own self-worth, and they are human in within their own right. And we've just got to accept right. that. And that then brings in emotional intelligence because emotional intelligence is how you react to other people through your feelings and the way in which you think about your feelings and the feelings of other people. So fundamental to emotional intelligence is empathy and it's utilizing social skills to build up authentic relationships and make good quality decisions. So within all of that, when you are engaging with somebody anybody and i don't care who that other person is they've got some value you've just got to work very hard through your own beliefs values perceptions prejudices etc 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 to hear the other person and to recognize what it is that they can contribute to you if only you would allow them to so what if you are a staunch trump supporter and you're talking to someone who is maybe a, a millennial liberal or something. How, what advice do you have for individuals in this situation? Because here in the States, families have been kind of pitted against one another. And I've seen it at work where people are saying, I don't know how to talk to my family at, at Christmas time or holiday time, when I go home for breaks, I'm not quite sure how to have conversations because our conversations are getting just so heated. And so I'm kind of curious, like, let's dive in. Do you have any recommendations for, for two people who have very, very different ways of viewing the world? how they can look at the other person. Because I agree, there's some work that you have to do <laughs> to say, okay, I'm, outside of all of this stuff that I see in front of me and that I think, how do I then show empathy for that other person who's so different? I think the important thing here is to go back to emotional intelligence and say, and for me to say up front that it is very, very difficult to continually practice and be as emotional intelligent as emotionally intelligent as you can possibly be and there are certain times when i'll go into a heated debate with somebody and i really will not like what that individual is saying and i will vehemently disagree with it but i what i have found that works and, and this is hard heather i will repeat this is very hard is to keep an open mind and to keep asking questions so to to continually find out what it is that I am missing within that conversation because that person has got very strong beliefs. I might not agree with those beliefs at all. I don't have to agree with them. I just have to understand. So the way to do that mm -hmm. is to continually ask questions. So 
If I was faced with a very, very, very staunch Trump uh, supporter, I would be asking them questions as, when did you first find yourself in a position in agreeing with what Donald Trump was saying? What was it that he said that convinced you so much? How uh, do you find yourself learning to open up your mind to other viewpoints based upon what it is that you've learned? Why is it that you continually thinking along these lines? What is it that is supporting what it is that you're saying? And all of those questions when asked empathetically, and you've got to be very careful because the way you ask them may come across as being offensive. But uh, by continually asking those questions, you're actually opening up a dialogue rather than you're wrong, I'm right. Help me to understand what is it that I'm missing? Uh, What is it that I need to fully comprehend in order to to change my views? And at what point do you say, okay, instead of falling into the the 21 question zone where you're asking so, because you said it just a second ago, if you're not careful in the way that you ask questions, people will kind of feel a little bit put off by that as well. So are there any signs of like, okay, I think I've asked enough questions at this point. I think I have enough information now we can move forward. Are we looking for that person to to agree? Are we using active listening? We're using active listening. We're not looking for the other person to agree. You're not going to change their mind because probably a lot of their thoughts are so deeply ingrained within their psyche. that So you're actually looking to change an individual and they will only want to change or they will only change if they want to change. So I think what we've got to do is just to uh, say at some point, let's uh, agree to disagree and move on. Let's go on to something less contentious. Uh, I still like you as an individual. Uh, You're a member of my family or you're a friend of mine and I want to carry on the relationship on a positive foot. So let's push politics aside and talk about something else. And I think... Yeah, because at the end of the day, you're not trying to change that person. That's not what emotional intelligence is about. And and I think it's also around this level of self-awareness and and self-regulation that we see as parts of emotional intelligence. It's what's going on in our inner world. It's what's going on in our head. And at these points, we've just got to say to ourselves, have I overstepped the mark here? Is this becoming more of an interrogation? Or am I keeping it as conversational as it could be? And you've just got Mm. to say to yourself, right, what am I doing that's adding fuel to this fire here? Right, exactly. So are you teaching these skills in your classes? Not specifically along the lines that we've spoken, <laughs> but uh, my, my classes are all underpinned with emotional intelligence. So I have an online class on uh, self-awareness. I have one on self-regulation. I have one on empathy skills. I have one on interpersonal relationships. I have one on stress management, one on decision making, and the list goes on. And I've noticed, mm. Heather, that, that you have a, a range of courses and most of your courses are underpinned by emotional intelligence just like mine. Well, emotional intelligence is something that's foundational to being able to function it is. In, in the working world. So 
I'm definitely a supporter of all things emotional intelligence. (laughs) Self-awareness is important. Being able to read the room is important. And then know how to behave when you're in that room. So yes, yes. One of the things I'd like to say to you, because some of your listeners might be thinking, oh, aren't they in direct competition? Uh, no, not at all. Well, no, no. I, I think this this is the point that I want to make. I and I I came to realise this a few years ago. Anybody else who has got an emotional intelligence online course, great. We're not in competition, because the way in which you would speak to somebody around the topic would be different to the way in which I would speak to somebody on the topic. Now, somebody might like what you say, but don't like me. I'm, the way in which I say it and vice versa. And I use the analogy of going into a bookshop and you would go into a bookshop and you've got a real intense interest on a particular topic. Let's just choose a topic, motorbikes. Now I know you're mm-hmm. probably not interested in motorbikes and to a certain extent, mm-hmm. neither am I. But <laughs> it, it's great for the example I can use because If I have an intense desire to learn more about motorbikes, when I go into the bookshop, I'll go to the motorbike section. And I've probably looked at all of those books over the years, and I've probably got two or three dozen of them, and I've read them cover to cover. Oh, look, here's a new one. So I'll buy that Mm. book. How many books can I get on motorbikes? Probably hundreds, but it doesn't stop me from buying another book on a topic that I'm really, really interested in. So just because somebody buys my emotional intelligence course doesn't mean to say that they're not going to buy your emotional intelligence course. So in the field in which we operate, there really is no competition. And all we're doing is just spreading the word. That's right. That's exactly right. We're, we're evangelizing. So if anyone is interested in learning more about EI for Change or getting, in connection, connect, getting connected to you, where should they go? It's very easy, Heather. Go to the EI for Change website, ei4change.com. Thank you for keeping it easy. My pleasure. But then I've learned over the years, keep it simple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Robin, I appreciate your time today. This was a really, really insightful conversation. And I look forward to just thinking a little bit more about how I am showing up in in the conversation and what I'm doing to add to it, to take away from it, adding fuel to the fire. And I hope listeners that you are doing the same as well. So Robin, take care. Have a wonderful day. You too, Heather. Thank you ever so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead with Levity podcast. To get resources mentioned in this episode and find out what we're all about, check us out at leadwithlevity.com.